creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome back to the Ness and Bruins podcast. Nesson.com's Mike Cole joined, as always, by Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? I'm great, Mike. Happy holidays. Season's greetings. It is, uh, it is almost Christmas time, and it is almost finally hockey time. Uh, since we last met, uh, our timing wasn't as bad as we predicted. Uh, it took oh, a couple of days. Right. Um, but over, over last weekend, uh, the NHL, NHLPA, came to uh, terms on an agreement or reinforced the agreement they already had and hammered out the details, and we just about all the details. We have a hockey season now. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it will begin in a week uh, or thereabouts, uh, right around the, the start of the year. The training camps will begin. Um, we've been hearing that the players are kind of returning uh, over the last couple of weeks anyway. Um, so this is not a huge surprise, but uh, good things and uh, all the same. Uh, it sounds like games will start January 13th. We have yet to see an official schedule. But I that's supposed to come down today. So knowing our luck, oh. we're probably going to see it pop across our inbox within the next half hour while we record this. Delightful. Um, if that's the case, we will react in uh, real time. We will go through every single one of the 56 games and make predictions. <laughs> Offer predictions. Takes. Yeah. Um, it is 56 games, right? I got that. It right. is 56. Yes. You sure. got that right. All right. So, uh, you know, you put together a rundown this, uh, this week and you just said, are you shocked that the league got something done? Uh, is that an implication uh, or Im- you implying that you are shocked that something got done? No, I'm implying. I'm actually not implying. I'm outright saying that you tend to be a little on the cynical side. And so, oh, that- so my thing the whole time was that there was a deal in place already. They just had to hammer out the details. Like, I think I wasn't shocked after what happened, what we discussed last week. Like, it was a yeah. fait accompli after that. Like, when they- I agree when it came down to like the owners aren't going to lock them out just for no good reason. And the players are all buying into whatever they're going to have to do. Once it became, that became clear. Like I thought like the details seemed like the easy part. It was the same thing with baseball. I know we've made that comparison a thousand times, but it's like, you can get through the protocols. You can get through the scheduling fairly easily. Plus I would imagine these conversations already were had during quote unquote negotiations or whatever you want to call it. But there was a deal more or less in place from the entire time they went back to that. And then, like I said, now it's just kind of connecting those final dots. So yeah, no, well, that's, that's I, I, I think that's what the report says that they basically had tabled financial stuff before deciding that they just weren't going to touch the money at all. I think they had gotten to a place where they're like, we're just going to hammer everything else out so that once we finish dealing with the money stuff, it'll just, you know, you turn on the keys and off you go or put the keys in the ignition and off you go. Um, So no, I'm not entirely surprised. I think, I mean, we said this countless times that like, I think there's a degree of knowing that millionaires and billionaires squabbling over money was never going to look good. And I think everyone looked at what that meant for baseball and, you know, a lot less got out publicly with hockey than it did baseball. But I think they knew that there was probably no, good solution or no good consequence to not having a season or having it be way too far drawn out. The only thing that surprised me was that they actually are going to get everything going by January 13th. Um, It just, it kept stretching on and I thought, well, maybe, you know, 
late January or February 1st, but. You don't think they had a deadline the entire time that they knew? They probably did. Yeah, they, they had to have. But it was weird because every time, like, you would see Darren Dreger and Pierre Lebron and Elliot Friedman always tweet out, like, as far back as, like, the week of Thanksgiving, like, this is a huge week for negotiations. Like, this is a huge week. And then you'd reach the weekend and there was nothing. Um, and it's like, well, if each of these weeks is huge, which not to downplay that, but like, why is this taking so long? Um, so why did it take so long? <laughs> probably because there's a crap load of details they have to hammer out. Right. So it's just, it is funny when we, I mean, I'm a victim of this as well, but like when we concern ourselves with the, the negotiations and it's like, the date will come, like there will be a, you know, it's, it's hard to tell yourself that in the moment, but it's like, it's also not really worth getting worked up in the moment. Cause you know, at a certain point, this thing is going to get figured out because you're going to reach a time, a point of no return. And I think they probably were coming pretty close to that. I, and I also think too, you know, Christmas was coming up like right. Hanukkah every, you know, you don't want to be dealing with this over the holidays. So I think that probably was part of the, uh, part of the negotiation process with they probably had a pretty firm deadline in there that we don't know about and they probably got right up to it and then they just said you know we'll just go with what we have yeah seems like a whole lot of waste of time but it is what it is <laughs> i mean um, if the date was gonna be january 13th anyways like they're still getting how long ago were we here in january 13th <laughs> honestly not that long because remember back in october they sent out like a full-fledged press release saying that they wanted january 1st so yeah. all told, we don't, we lost less than two weeks. And I don't even think the the length of the season, I mean, we never really heard that much about game or schedules in the lengths of the 60s. It's like they're still getting a 56-game season, and they're basically just cutting down time for training camp and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I really don't think they ended up losing all that much. December 8th was when the report came out that they were targeting January 13th. So, I mean – that was two weeks ago. I don't know. Um, yeah. I forget what point I was going to make, so that's great. Uh, so I just looking through the, uh, the dates, I had the dates up and then I closed them out. Um, like I said, January – or excuse me, December 31st is when training camps open for teams that didn't make the playoffs, teams that haven't played since March. Um, January 3rd training camp for every team, including the Bruins – every other team, including the Bruins, opens – uh, Bruins have been skating. Uh, the Bruins clearly, really, yeah. We're doing the whole thing where the uh, the Bruins send out uh, to the media uh, B-roll footage of uh, practicing. So we have proof that they are working out at Warrior. Uh, in I was Bryce. very surprised when that email came across. I, I was not prepared for that. But. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, January thirteenth, we we get going as mentioned. April twelfth, the NHL trade deadline. Uh, and the end of the regular season goes to uh, May 8th. So that looks like – I'm actually going to look this up right now as we talk, which is not a great job by me. But uh, I'm trying to look up what the final day of the regular season was in 2013, uh, which was the lockout season. Uh, it was April 28th for the Bruins. And I think that might have been a little bit later than first anticipated because of the – the rescheduling with the marathon bombing. Right. Um, yeah. So this will go a little bit longer. Uh, you know, the regular season will go a little bit longer than that. 
Uh, and I said, was it May 8th? So it's 56 games in 116 days. That's a lot. Uh, playoffs will begin May 11th. And the last possible day of the Stanley Cup final, this is wild, July 9th, which again is, I know in 13, they went six games in the final game of that. Uh, the Blackhawks Bruins series was like the last weekend of yeah, June. Late June yeah. yeah. So that's a, I mean, that is a pretty appropriate model, I guess. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, free agency or the draft, the expansion draft is July 21st. NHL draft July 23rd and 24th. And then free agency begins on July 28th. So the summer will look different in that it starts a little later and there's a uh, expansion draft. I almost called it a fantasy draft. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a July 23rd, 24th draft and then free agency a few days later is not – it feels like we're going to be back to normal after this season, assuming nothing goes, you know, off of the, uh, off the tracks, which we're, we're trending in the right direction despite the hellhole that is this planet at the moment. So That's true. Um, great job by them, I guess. I, at least it's, it's just nice to have a schedule. It's nice to know when things are going to happen. Uh, it's nice to know that barring meltdowns, things will happen. Like this is, I feel a lot better than I did six months ago when we were just kind of like, oh, well, let's see what happens Right. It's nice to have something like tangible to cling to. And like, I'm a very routine oriented person. So I just like having schedules in the first place. But I feel like when you have an actual schedule that you're trying to adhere to, as opposed to the idea of a schedule, it's, it's going to be a little bit easier to actually push through. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I agree. So uh, what else is there to, to tackle with the, the uh, announcement? I guess we can get in division realignment. Uh, I think yeah. that is, we kind of glossed over that last week. That's the biggest thing from an on ice standpoint, I think, that we're going to get uh, out of this entire ordeal. But, you know, divisional play is what it's going to be. So you get 56 games against your division. Um, the Bruins are in the Eastern Division, uh, which is – it might as well be America East because all the Canadian teams are in their own division. So Bruins get Buffalo, New Jersey, New York, New York, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Washington. The question that I pose to you is the one that you posed to me in our rundown. Okay. Where, do the Bruins, where do the Bruins rank in that, that division? Um, well said. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be thoughtful about this because I have a tendency to get high and low on teams way too easily. Yeah. I guess, I guess third, maybe. So, and we should probably mention this, the top four teams from each division make right. the playoffs. So. so, I think the Islanders are going to be very good again. I would probably have them second, the Bruins third, and uh, the Flyers first. I like the Flyers a lot. Um, Goaltending solid. Uh, they're a hard team to play against. Like, their back end's getting stabilized a little bit. Like, their top six forward group is, even when the Bruins are healthy, like, competitive with what Boston has. Um, but, like, I think all three of those teams are interchangeable, not to do my famous couching of a take, but, like, I don't know. I think the Bruins are better than the Penguins. I think the Capitals will probably play the Bruins well like they always do, but as much as I think Ilya Samsonov's going to be a good enough NHL goalie, like, they, with Lundquist gone, they have no backup plan. 
Um, so I, I think that death will eventually kill them. Uh, I think Buffalo will be more competitive than usual, but not, you know, there's still a few pieces away. Uh, I love the Rangers. I think the Rangers will at least make things difficult. And then New Jersey, I think, is still a few pieces off, too. There's only one bad team in the entire division. Like, Is it Jersey? Is that who yeah. you're saying? Okay. Yeah. And that's a relative term. So that's – that is tough. Like, I don't – I can't sit here and definitively say any of these teams are better than the Bruins. So if the Bruins won the division, it would not surprise me. Um, the Bruins injury situation, I think, is something that you certainly have to account for. That complicates it. Although it sounds like they're a little more optimistic on Marshawn than they are Pasternak. Marshawn's returned to skating. Pasternak's still uh, dealing with uh, the, the, the effects of his offseason surgery. Um, if you're without both of those guys for any period of time, that's tough. If you're without Pasternak, that is also difficult. Um, but let's just say that they can tread water or a little bit better than tread water. I like them to, to be in the playoff hunt, obviously. And I like them to, to contend for the division. But like, if you tell me they're, they finished six when it's all said and done, it wouldn't shock me either. Cause it's just, I can make an, a pretty easy and compelling case for each team to kind of contend for the top of the division. Really? I mean, yeah. you know, even teams like Washington and Pittsburgh aren't, what they were you know you see the names the names sound more impressive than they were uh, than they are now but like there's enough talent on both of those teams to for sure especially in a short season you know what I mean like a short season if you, a younger team so I guess that might eliminate, eliminate those two in some regards but I if you get if you get hot for two weeks three weeks that can go a long way in determining where you finish at the end of the season this is where I always try and be careful because like I always look at every division and I'm like, every team in this division is good. Like, how many objectively bad teams are there in the NHL? And I remember, I was going to say this time last year, but prior to last season, I was sitting here doing cartwheels over the freaking New Jersey Devils because I liked the Wayne Simmons acquisition. I like, um, you know, what they had done in the draft getting Hughes. Like, they seen, I thought Mackenzie Blackwood would be a lot better. Um, and, and then they were just a disaster. And so I don't think Buffalo is going to be that great. I can see that falling apart. Um, who knows, right? Uh, I can see the Rangers maybe, like, their defensive issues are still there. Um, but, like, the only teams that I think are basically, I don't know how I want to put this, but, like, collapse-proof are probably the Bruins. And I think the Flyers. Bruins, Flyers, and maybe the Islanders. Maybe the Islanders, yeah. The Islanders. Eh. The Islanders. So yeah, here's, what, here's what gets me about the Islanders. Every time I watch them, I am so thoroughly unimpressed and borderline bored but watching isn't that, the Islanders play. But they never lose. Like, they're always good enough. Doesn't that kind of play better in a short season like this? Without question, yes. I think – I, where it's not necessarily because I like I don't like them in the playoffs because I think talent ultimately wins out, mm-hmm. but like system structure, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Discipline, like those sorts of things probably play best when you're going back to back and well, you know right. three games in four nights, et cetera, et cetera. I, well, it's like, like I, 
That's like a college team, right? Like they're going to be ready to play every night. And if you take a night off, they're going to kick your ass. Yeah. And I'm not stupid enough to start picking against like Barry Trotz. Like, right. That's good. Then like yeah. they still have talent. Like they're going to get Matt Barzal signed, you know, like they're, they're going to figure some of those things out. Um, but like, what's their goaltending situation going to look like? Like all they have are Varlamov shrug like I don't know there are just some questions there and like their defense is fine and I don't want to overstate how good Johnny Boychuk is but like what are they doing there like it's gonna be Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield and Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick and then what what do you do other store brand Sebastian Ajo like they don't have a lot of other I don't know options there yep I have nothing else to add. That's, I mean, it's competitive division, but like I'm kind of in the same boat where like if I looked at all the divisions, I could talk myself into just about every team. That's what I do every year, and I'm tired of doing it. But then I sit there, I'm like, well, you know, the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> the- well, like you look at it, it's like Minnesota will be bad, Detroit will be bad. Like I'm looking at the list right now. See, like here's here's a good thing that Ottawa's not in the division because I'm looking at Ottawa and I can't talk myself out of the Senators. I'm like, now they did get to Donov, like they yeah. they could be nice, and they got Matt Murray, so they have some goaltending issues worked out. Like I keep I latch on to guys and I start talking myself into dumb stuff, and then within you know two weeks the Senators are going to be a mile out of the playoff picture. I'll be sitting here like a goofball saying that they are going to get the four seed in the Canada division. The North. The North. We the North. Uh, financial issues. Uh, why don't you run me through this whole taxi squad idea that you have? Um, because teams are going to be allowed to kind of manipulate the cap, so to speak, with the taxi squad this year. So um, explain it to me like I'm dumb. And okay. tell me how the Bruins can, can, can use this. I know this is a, a path that you went down uh, recently. So This might be a little far-fetched, but it is within the rules. Um, so taxi squad players, they do not count against the cap. Correct. In order to send a player to the taxi squad, if they require waivers, you have to put them on waivers. So the Bruins could not just take – Brad Marchand and do a paper transaction and send him down. Otherwise, he could get claimed. So my idea is you take a couple players. The two that came to mind for me were John Moore and Nick Ritchie, who very well might not be everyday players, that their trade value probably isn't through the roof. And if you were going to trade them, it would be more or less in a cap clearing move. You take them, you put them on waivers, you get their cap hit off the books. If you lose them, that kind of sucks, but also shouldn't be totally torpedoing your team. And you clear the cap space. I forget what the exact number is, but Moore makes 2.75. Richie makes like 1.9, almost two. So you clear almost $5 million in cap space there. Those guys still travel with the team. They still collect NHL paychecks. Um, or you make your minor salary, but in both of their cases, their minor salary is the same as their NHL salary. But you t- yeah, so you take their cap hit off the books, and now you have money to work a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, again, you run the risk of some guys getting claimed off of waivers, but at the end of the day, like, if you're not going to play them, then you might as well benefit from their cap space. So I am just curious if the, if the Bruins will – 
make an approach like that. Because if you follow my idea, the Bruins have about 3 million in cap space right now and you send out more in Richie, then all of a sudden you're looking at almost 8 million in cap space. Um, and if you're signing, say, a guy like Mike Hoffman for one year, um, you can do something like that. And it, unless you lose either one of the players you're putting on waivers, you're basically clearing cap space while not mortgaging the future. Like this isn't necessarily a problem that you're going to have to kick down the road one day. So, so what's the problem here? There has to be a, this is not foolproof. I guess just the waiver thing. It's the waiver thing. Like I can gets hurt. I guess you can put him on IR and right. Trying to think of like a time where you would get screwed over by doing this and needing to bring like more off of the taxi squad, but I guess if you're bringing him off, you're it would have to be an injury, right? Like so. Right. So what happens if one? Well, I guess if a guy sucks, then you can put him on waivers. Like I was just trying to see them. They're trying like a, to poke holes in my bulletproof theory here. If I mean, if there's a young guy who is really struggling and you wanted to put him on the taxi squad to give him some time off, it would probably be a defenseman, and you wanted to bring more on. And I guess you would put the young guy. Yeah, that's pretty it's solid, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it it just depends on what your risk aversion is to, and like how likely you think certain guys are to get picked up off waivers. But my thing is like. This is the same team that last year – now, granted, this is slightly apples and oranges, but, like, they put Brett Ritchie on waivers. They put David Backus on waivers. Like, they've put guys on waivers before that kind of makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit. And so would it be the most surprising thing if they did that to a guy like John Moore? John Moore on waivers is far more valuable than, like, David Backus, though. It is. It's an NHL-level defenseman who has three years of term left on his deal. So, like, I I get that. And I think think it's a little bit easier said than done. But, I mean, every time the Bruins get linked to someone, people talk about, like, the the cap constraints. They're like, oh, you know, if you you get rid of that more contract. And it's like, finally, you have an opportunity to kind of do it with relatively minimum risk. And then everybody all of a sudden is talking about, you know, John Moore, the Norris Trophy candidate, um, which, as the resident John Moore apologist, not only on this podcast, but probably on the planet, I do think losing him would hurt. However, um, you know, it, depending on how you're going to use that money, it might not be the worst thing. Like, I, I don't know. And if he escapes, if he clears waivers, then cool. There you go. Because also, like, how many teams, because this was the other thing that I thought was like, how many teams are going to be in a position to be putting waiver claims in for guys making $3 million? Like freaking Tyler Johnson, who's making $5 million and is a 40-point-per-season guy, just cleared waivers two months ago because nobody has cap space. That was the one I was going to bring up because I was like, oh, yeah. I, I, you wrote about it today, actually. I remember. I sure did. In preparation for this podcast, that's what inspired me. I forgot about the waiver thing. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He went through waivers. And if a guy like that can go through, then you're probably, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I, guys like John Moore, I feel like, don't get picked up off waivers a whole lot in general, never mind in this circumstance. Uh, you you know, it's making, like, 800 grand to get picked up. Right, right. It's like the, the reclamation project guy that isn't making anything. Like, you know, 
I'm trying to think of it. This is say Anthony Duclair got put through waivers, which would never happen, but say something like that. Like a team would pick him up, like a, a very easy cost yeah. controlled guy where the upside's through the roof. But like, I don't know. If, if you claim a guy off waivers, you're taking their contract on. So, yes, Logan, that is true. So, well, people forget that. Like that money doesn't just like disappear. It's not like, you know, the Oilers claim John Moore and then all of a sudden, like, you know, he's making a million. You do have to pay your employees. That's Very true. Um, Okay, so I guess, maybe, we'll see. Uh, interesting uh, little media session the other day with Bruins president Cam Neely, who said some interesting things, as I just alluded to. Uh, on Zdeno Chara, he gave a quick update saying, more or less, the ball is in Chara's court. Um, they're still – I think they're still trying to hammer out what he wants to do, what they want to do, and I think Chara is still surveying the landscape as it pertains to the schedule more so than anything. Like, I think he still kind of has to figure out – that was – we are just waiting for him to kind of see everything and come to an agreement. So I would imagine a decision gets made sooner than later. I mean, we're running out of time. But, um, you know, as Neely said, there's still some things to flesh out. So that's where that's at. Uh, I do think it was interesting that Neely was asked whether he was open to augmenting, adding, uh, tinkering with the roster at all. And he said, you know, he gave the stock answer of like Don Sweeney's always looking to improve or make the team better, et cetera, et cetera. But like he did kind of get into saying, you know, if there's something there that makes sense, we're going to do it. And, you know, there are some players out there that are going to be made available once teams realize that they can't figure out their cap situation. <laughs> right. Um, I think a lot of it, we've seen it just today, like literally today, there's been a good deal of movement across the league. I think, you know, businesses are back open in the NHL. We're, you know, we're reopening this year. So there are moves to be made. The Bruins do have some cap room, as you alluded to. Um, what do you think that they could do? And I know you kind of touched on this in your column today. So why don't you, hey, yeah. Well, so my my idea, which I get, like, Neely's comments were more specifically about defense. Which was interesting, uh, by the way. Really? That kind of jives with our conversations about, like, the like the Hoffman conversation, at least. I don't know. I, yeah, I, guess I just don't know who you're getting. Like, I guess if it's a trade, it's one thing. But it's like, if you actually want to go for a defenseman that's better than anything you have right now – excluding Zidane charts like Sammy Votnin. And it's – I don't know how comfortable my threshold for paying Sammy Votnin $3.5 or $4 million is right now. So what do you want to do? Well, I think you should just load up on forwards. And so – We were just talking about that. Yeah. And you cross your fingers and you hope that somebody between Lozon and Zaboral and maybe Vakanainen ends up being like a legitimate NHL defenseman. And you figure that out this season. It happened with Lozon last year, right? Like yeah. they started playing Lozon more and it was like, Oh, when you know it, like he can hang around. So my idea is Don Sweeney picks up the phone, calls Julian Brisebois and tries to get him to trade either Tyler Johnson or Alex Kalorn because the, Lightning are so far over the cap. Like, I think they're seven and a half million over the cap or something like that. And they still have Anthony Sorelli to sign. Um, 
and like, okay, Nikita Kucherov's probably going to begin the year on long-term IR, which will free up cap space. If he's healthy at all at any point in the season, they will have a monumental headache to take care of from a pure financial standpoint. So I don't see them necessarily, unless they think Kucherov's going to be done, like won't play at all this year. Um, I don't see them leaning on that too much. Like they're going to have to do something else. They're probably going to have to try and pass guys through to the taxi squad. Like that's the type of team that would get poached on waivers because they have to send either some sort of big money guy down. So my idea is if you're Sweeney, it's probably going to cost you next to nothing to get a guy who takes a sizable enough cap hit um, from Tampa. You just have to see what their threshold is for, the pain of trading technically within the division, not this year, but they're still trading within the division. So like, why not go after a guy like Johnson who's still in the organization puts up, you know, almost 50 points a year or Alex Kalorn, who's reliable, all situations player who puts up 40 points a year. Um, Johnson's making 5 million Kalorn's making a little less than that. It's like four and three quarters. So if you're the Bruins and you're thinking, okay, well we could clear cap space by putting guys on our taxi squad you're probably not doing that unless you want to create cap space for some reason. So why not put it to good use and add guys who would be legitimate upgrades to your, your second slash third lines. And it, it, with Kalorn and or Johnson, like at the beginning of the year, that would be a very big uh, addition when you consider that Pasternak and probably Marshawn are out. It's a fine piece. Thank no you. I agree. No way I have. No, there's zero chance at all it happens. Um, I basically said that right from the beginning. Like, the last time the Lightning and Bruins did business together is the Brett Connolly trade. Um, and, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, Brett Connolly never got a fair shake in this town. No, Brett Connolly did not get a fair shake. And that's a conversation for another time. But that was a guy who was a victim of a bad Clearly, because he went on and was better in Washington than he was here. Well, wouldn't you know it? They put him on the third line in Washington. Yeah. And like, he had no business being on the first line in Boston. That was his problem. And so and everyone was looking at it and saying, like, why can't this guy put up 60 points a year? So he just he wasn't equipped for that. And then Washington put him in the right role. Sick shot. I like guys with good shots. That's all I really care about. So well, you're gonna love Craig Smith. That's right. So that's what we said. The, the shooting line, like yeah. give me Smith and Hoffman on the same line, and we're in business. Um, yeah, I don't really have. I, I am. I don't have any made up trades, so I can't join you in this conversation. Um, I also don't know who's available. I. I wouldn't rule out a big deal before the season starts, though. Really. I think they're frisky. I think there's, I think there's a chance to to make a deal there. I think they like, I think they like what they have on the back end, despite what nearly. I think so too. Like that's that's what I don't get is like the right side is fine, um, you know, with, with McAvoy and Carlo, and then they have options with Miller and Clifton, and like the left side, it's weird. They have so many left side prospects, but. So everyone at the end of last year was doing cartwheels over Zaboral and maybe that becomes his job. And, you know, Lozon goes on the second pairing and you obviously have Grizzly. They, they have options. I think they use them at some point or they might as well. I'd not use them. They lean on. I think, yeah, I think they're good. I guess. Yeah. I go back and forth so much. 
Maybe they, maybe they won't make a deal. Like, I mean, you can basically like I just said businesses businesses open. They shut down like the next week though. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe at least for the next couple of days. Like, nobody's getting traded on Christmas, even though there's no Christmas freeze this year. But, um, so like I, I guess my point is, before you know it, training camp's gonna be here. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so the last thing you you uh, you wanted to, to dish on is uh, just a wildly preposterous uh, talking point, but whatever. Uh, you can so you can play anyone in the Stanley Cup final this year. Is that the way I understand it? So the top you, four? well, not anyone that's not in your division. Correct. Yeah. Because what's what's happening is you have to play out of your division to get to the the third round. So around before the Stanley Cup final. I admittedly should know this, but how do they seed for the conference finals? What is not, so I mean, they, the they, finals, they reseed based on regular season regular season points. I guess that's like the only thing to do, but that's a terrible way of doing so it. So you could literally end up with in theory, you could end up with like a Bruins Canucks uh Flames Lightning set of conference finals yeah i i like i said i don't know any other way to they do wouldn't it. even be called conference finals because they basically have no conference this year there's going to be somebody's going to get screwed because somebody's going to get the top seed in the the semifinals because they beat the hell out of some bad team all season long and drove up their points though yeah that's unavoidable it's going to be some pacific team that just murders like the kings and the ducks all yeah. year yeah or west right they're calling it the west whatever uh, so ideal Stanley Cup final matchup, I guess, for the Bruins or for our entertainment? I guess both. For entertainment, it would have to be the Leafs. Uh, no, it would be Montreal. You think? Yes. In, in terms of – I will die on this hill. I, I love the – because, I mean, that's eh, – I was going to say, I guess it's the same element if Toronto gets to the Stanley Cup final. But, like, Montreal in a Stanley Cup final, like, I feel like – completely revitalizes that market and it's like a a tangible thing especially and then when you add the Bruins to that it's huge I guess you could say the same thing about the Leafs it would be a better hockey series with the Leafs but I just right I have a thing for Bruins Montreal yeah what do you want well and the Canadians will be better imagine if they get Hoffman too (laughs) but like they already they already stole golden boy of Boston Tyler Toffoli sure Oh, yeah, that'd be tough. I'd have to root for Montreal, I think. That's true. You might have to. You are, uh, you are a Tyler Toffoli Bobo. Hannah Hoffman Bobo. Anyway, um, yeah, so eh, Montreal or Toronto, I guess, is – but there is – What about, like, Tampa? Like, no, not, the Bruins would get waxed in a series with Tampa if we've learned anything. But. There is part of me, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, my stupid little brain can't get over the fact that the Stanley Cup final is supposed to be East versus West. So I almost would rather have them play a team out of the traditional Western Conference just because I want it to feel normal. Yeah. So, no, it would be a great series, and you're going to make fun of me for this, but like, I would love to see Bruins-Jets, and that's largely because that Jets game – uh, right after the All-Star break last year was so awesome. And, like, the goaltending would be great with like Rask and Hellebuck. You get, you know, another golden boy of Boston, Kyle Connor, <laughs> Bruins passed on to take Jacob Zaborl. Oh, man, the Jacobs, the 2015 draft uh, 
series where it's Kyle Connor and Jake DeBrusque and Jacob Zaboral and then Zach Sanishans replaced Brad Marchand on the first line. Yes. There you go. Bruins, uh, Jets, book it. No, but like I was – the problem is the, the good teams in the West do nothing for me right now. Like – I like Dallas, but like miss me with a Dallas Bruins Stanley Cup final. No, thank you. I have no Dallas Vegas would be fun. Yeah, that does nothing for. I need, but you could take your hockey. Like I need aesthetics, I need narratives, and I need tradition. And Dallas Vegas does nothing for me in that regard. You got bad uniforms, (laughs) no history. Canucks hockey cities, huh? Canucks. Bruins Canucks. So, like, that's what I'm saying. But, like, yeah. oh, I guess the Canucks are good. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably going to bury that Louis Erickson uh, deal on the taxi squad. They're sick. I might actually look up uh, Stanley Cup odds because I like. Well, so, if, if I'm a Bruins player, I think my ideal is probably against the Lightning. Because if you think you can actually beat the Lightning, like, what better – vindication than by beating the lightning in a weird Stanley cup final where that is literally the only opportunity you'll ever have to do that. Like, I don't know if, if I'm a Bruins player, that's probably what I would want. Canucks 35 to one to win the Stanley cup. Oh, I could talk myself into Bruins Calgary. Like that seems like a, again, I like the look of that. So that's all I really care about. The games against Calgary last year were fun, too, because that was the one where Lozon fought Kachuk, because uh, Lozon, like, pasted – who is it? Uh, Mangiapane? Oh. His name is. Yeah, that, those were good games. Sneaky good answer here that we haven't gotten to. Bruins-Blues. Bruins-Blues, who could do that? Corey Krug's first game back in Boston. Game one, Stanley Cup final. The first time in – 15 months that fans are allowed into TD yeah. Garden and you've got a full garden to welcome back crew game one of the Stanley Cup final. That'd be pretty good too. That would be pretty good. Maybe you do the, <laughs> this would never happen, but Bruins Ducks. You know, you've got Kasha and Richie on the Bruins. You've got David Backus and Axel Anderson's probably out of juniors and on the <laughs> playing with Cam Fowler and off you go. It stinks because there are teams in, like, like a Bruins-Rangers cup final would have been awesome, too. Yeah, like, right. Like old school type of type of deal in that regard. Bruins-Flyers. Um, yeah. I'd like those a lot more, but that's not possible. What would, be, what would the worst one be? For the Bruins? Realistic Stanley Cup final, just from everything. Uh, I was going to say Bruins Oilers, but that would actually be kind of fun. Right. Uh, think of Bruins it. Coyotes, like something like that. Yeah, Bruins Coyotes. I mean, then, then you have the OEL narratives. <laughs> um, yeah. I. The, <laughs> Bruins the Wild aren't going to be in it. Um, Bruins Panthers would be brutal. <laughs> Bruins Panthers would be tough. It would be good um, for you. I really like them. The Panthers are going to be good this year. Um, Bruins Blue Jackets? Yeah, I don't need that either. That series against Columbus a couple of years ago was good. That, yeah. And so, like, the other thing is, too, is that there's going to be at least one of those, if they get to the conference finals, there's going to be, like, a weird conference. Or I'm going to call it conference finals all year, knowing it's yeah, not a the third round. Right. <laughs> 
Stanley Cup semifinal. Yeah. Now I'm trying to figure out what the worst matchup would be for the Bruins. Um, From a hockey standpoint? Not necessarily. Oh, you know what? Bruins Avalanche would be a sick Stanley Cup final. Game. I would. I the Avalanche are so fun to watch. We didn't even mention that. I mean, that's the obvious answer, I think, because that that checks all of my boxes. That scratches all of my itches. Like, I think that's a fine jersey uh, matchup. I think there's enough history there for Colorado now. I think you've got the the Ray Bark thing as well that you could do. That's you know? true. There could be other storylines about a Bruins. Uh, Avalanche series. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, be interesting. Nazem Kadri. Um, sure. Again, noted boss of villain Nazem Kadri. I, like I said, you never know what's going to happen with rosters. I, like that, maybe, so. it, maybe I'm just such a dweeb, but like I can talk myself into any reasonable series here. Like I'm trying to poke holes in something. It, it honestly, I know that this is what I just said, but it would probably be Bruins Jets would be the worst series from like a pure interest standpoint maybe i don't know what a bad take after saying it would be the one of the best i i personally i think it would but if you're talking about like the casual fan i don't know again i could talk myself into any of these series that's true that probably would be it's up there so logan do you have anything else no i just rambled on there for 10 minutes about things that won't happen after you insulted my idea oh it is what it is uh okay Oh, have any uh, World Junior takes? Who's your no, I, I didn't realize I was supposed to come prepared with World Junior takes. I'll be glued to my television tomorrow watching Matthias Mantikivi and Roman Bishkov. I can't wait. Can well, I mean, World Juniors are fun, but I'm also not a fraud, I'd like to think, so I'm not going to act like – Well, I was just going to, yeah, just basically predict somebody to win. Like, oh. Oh. Ah, uh, Canada. Wow. <laughs> Give me Finland. All right. Um, that's it. That's some Bros podcast. I don't know if we'll meet again next week. I don't think we will. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, be around later in the week. Okay. Well, maybe not. We'll, we'll do a training camp preview. A training camp one. one. Yes. And then uh, we got a few other things in the, uh, in the cards uh, that we'll need to get to. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, I think we'll maybe discuss that next time we meet. Sounds lovely. All right, Logan. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, we will be back again uh, soon later to talk uh, to do a little training camp preview. But until then, uh, have a happy holiday and thank you for uh, listening to the Nesson Bruins podcast. We'll see you next time.